Hey everybody, this is Bishop Brian Gallardo and you're listening to the LifeGate Church Podcast where we lift the name of Jesus and empower every listener. For more information, please go to lifegatekc.org or briangallardo.com. Mark chapter number two, verse 27 and verse 28. I believe the Lord has given me the antidote for anxiety. And I wanna talk to you today about the antidote for anxiety and it's gonna help you be free and walk in liberty this morning, amen? Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. I want to read that one more time a little slower. Jesus said, the Sabbath, everybody say the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. So the Sabbath is for us. Everybody say that loud. Say the Sabbath is for me. That's what Jesus said and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for me, I am not for the Sabbath. That's what he was saying. He said, the Sabbath is for the people, the people are not for the Sabbath. Therefore, verse 28, now that you know that, that's what therefore means, the Son of Man is also Jesus, he is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Lord of the Sabbath, Lord of the Sabbath. Father, I thank you for helping your precious people today to live in freedom from anxiety, fear, depression, and everything that comes along with it. God, I pray that you help me to communicate this incredible revelation that you gave me as I was in fasting and prayer for them last week. God, I pray that you show up strong today in the preaching of the word and help me in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said amen and amen. It's always good when when you read, well, first off, you should be reading the Bible. Let, let me start there. Um, but it's always good when you read the Bible that you, that you read the text surrounding Scripture so you don't get goofy. If you don't read what's before the text and after the text, then you're probably quoting something out of context. And so a text is given to us, but we must understand what is Jesus talking about in this portion of scripture. So what I want to do is I want to go all the way back to Mark chapter two, and I want to kind of show you why the Lord brought this message to the people that he was bringing it to. Is that okay? If you have your Bibles, that'd be great because we're going to be flipping around a lot today. And if you don't, that's all right. Just steal your neighbors and we'll talk about thievery in another service. Praise God. Okay. Matthew chapter number two, if you start that verse out, there's this sect of Jewish leaders that come up on the scene that are Pharisees. They, they represented all of Judaism during the time of Christ. And they were devoted to crossing every T and dotting every I. They were Pharisees. They were so fair, you see. They were perfect in their own eyes. They didn't do anything wrong but everybody else did things wrong. That's why Jesus came for them. He said, if you can't forgive, I can't forgive you. If you can't be merciful, then then God can't be merciful to you. He was attacking that spirit of perfection that none of us can reach. These Pharisees strive for protection, but they the perfection, but they repelled sinners. You know, that's not the gospel. The gospel is attract, it's it's like a magnet to sinners. Aren't y'all glad? Y'all forgot you were sinners, but you got saved by grace, not your sons and daughters. 
And so sometimes we become the older brother in the kingdom. Come on, the prodigal son, we hear a lot of preaching on that, but we don't hear about the pouty older brother who thought he should have got it all when all along he had it, right? He lived in a sense of perfection and entitlement. And so the, the Mark chapter 2 goes on, and Jesus uh, calls out to Matthew, who was hated by everybody because he was a tax collector. He was an IRS agent in modern dumb, but not like today's IRS agents. He robbed, he stole, and nobody liked him. The Bible actually says said, classified him as a reputable sinner. And also the Pharisees said that he and his followers and friends were, here's what NLT says, scum. So the Pharisees had a problem with Jesus and said, how can you let all these scum people hang out with you? Jesus said, is it not the sick who are in need of a doctor? I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinner. The people then took note and said, Jesus, how come John's disciples, John the baptizer, and his disciples and the Pharisees all fast, but you and your disciples don't fast? See, see there's, this, there's, this, there's this message coming out about law, perfection. See, so they're questioning Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, listen, it's party time. The groom, I, Jesus, is what he was saying, am currently with the bride, the people, so there's no need for them to fast. In Jewish culture, they celebrated a wedding for a whole week. Everybody in the neighborhood come out. And, and, and in Jewish culture, everybody parties in the neighborhood for a whole week during a wedding. It's how they do it. So Jesus is saying, why would we fast now? We're having a party. So then he goes into this whole thing that people take out of context, this portion of scripture. He says, would you sew an old patch on a new garment? Would you put new wine into old wine skins? Most people take this and they twist it because they don't have context of before and after. Jesus is not talking about new and old seasons. I've heard that preach out of context so many times. If you want a new season, you got to do something new. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking about how can you take me, the new wine, the new covenant, and put me into old law principles? For me, the new covenant has got to have a new carrier, a new wineskin, so Jesus, me, he's what he's saying, can be poured out like new wine, new covenant. He's attacking his system of thought. Then the next Sabbath comes around. Him and his disciples were walking through the field. That's where I want to get today. And the Bible said his disciples were walking through a grain field, and they reached down, and they broke off some of that corn, some of that grain, popped it in their mouth, and started eating. The same Pharisees came to Jesus again to question him and say, how can you, a preacher, a prophet, a teacher, you say you're God, but yet you allow your disciples to labor on the Sabbath? Jesus stands up and looks at them and says, the Sabbath was not made to meet the needs of the people, but the people, the requirements of the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Just push your neighbor say, it's coming, hang on. The Pharisees, of course, were questioning Jesus according to the law of Moses. That's recorded in Exodus chapter number 20, the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In the Sabbath you shall do no, everybody say work. Now, in context of previous verses, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He is the new wine inside of the new covenant. He ushers in Jesus. He's the game changer. He ushers in the new way. Everybody say new way. Okay, so in the old covenant, the Sabbath was a day. 
In the new covenant, the Sabbath is a person. So what are you talking about, preacher? Let me show you. Mark chapter 28 uses the word Sabbath, which is a Hebrew word that comes from the word Sabbat. Sabbat means this, to rest or cease from work. To rest or cease from work, the opposite of worldly striving. Now, let me ask you a question. Can you cease to work? No. You, you don't work, you don't eat. Right? You don't work, you don't eat. That's the kingdom law. That's a kingdom way. Right? So what is Jesus talking about? Now he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Every day's a Sabbath if you're in the Lord. It's the opposite of striving like the world does. See, many of y'all, many of y'all, I love you as your pastor, but many of y'all never enter into the rest of the Lord because you strive like the world does. You have to keep up with the Joneses like the world does. You, 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 you sacrifice time with God for 15-hour day works because you got to make them Benjamins to keep up with your success. And so because you're striving like the world does, there's never any time for the Lord to lord you. Sabbat. It means to allow your mind to rest physically, spiritually, and psychologically. I like what Brother Carr calls it, soaring time. Chill. And rest in the Lord. Win every day. <laughs> the verb word of sabbat means to stop and to cease. Another definition is to arrest it. See, many of us, this is what the Lord told me. Oh, Lord, help me communicate this the right way that's healthy. Okay, here we go. Here's what the Lord told me. I was in prayer and fasting last week. Spent all the day all by myself in a hotel. And the Lord, he woke me up right after I got done sleep. He woke me up and he said, listen. I said, yes, Lord. He goes, you know why you feel like you lost so much in 23? I said, why, Lord? He said, you didn't lose anything. He said, I took it from you. Wait, watch. Because your dependency was on people and not me. If you could just have a, if you could just do A, if you could just build A, then it will be good. And the Lord is saying to you today, it will never be good. It will never be enough. That's worldly striving. If I get this, I'll be okay. If I have that, I'll be okay. If my bank account looks, I'll be okay. No, you need to learn to stop and cease and rest in the Lord. Yes. Sabbat. Sabbat. Hallelujah. That's what I'm going to say. But that's right. Sabbat. God is serious about you resting. Everybody close your eyes. Put your head down. Okay, wake up, wake up. It's not time to sleep. Okay. Samantha might really go to sleep, dear God. She rests in the Lord all the time. <clears throat> She'll be over the house and, hey, this is a great game. I'll look over at Samantha. She knocked out sleeping. I mean, sleep, resting in the Lord. Look how serious God is about your rest. Genesis 2, 2 through 3. 2 through 3 says this. This is the nature of God. On the seventh day, God, what did he do? He rested. Now, somebody said, well, did God get tired? No, God was done. He never gets tired. He doesn't, sorry. He, he doesn't slumber. He, he, sorry, Brittany, I, I, Talise, I'm sorry. If it hits you, Elder, I'm sorry, too. It's anointed, praise God. 
God doesn't rest because he's tired. He rests because he's done. The word rest there is sabbat. Rested, stopped. He stopped working. On the seventh day, he stopped working. See, some of your emotions never stop working. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. Your brain never stops working. You're constantly working. You're like Bob the Builder on the inside. You never cease to just rest and eh, be still, he said, and know I'm God. Stop it. Cease it. Rest it. Insecurity, rest. Anxiousness, rest. Depression, rest. Fear of tomorrow, rest. Stop. Cease. Rest in me. Sabbat. Boy, this is so good. I want you to understand this, and I'm going to be teaching for a little while, so that counter may not mean nothing to me today. Exodus chapter number 20, verse 8 through 11. God himself commanded everybody on this planet to sabbat. Exodus 30, listen to this one. Exodus 31, verse 13 through 17. The Bible said when you sabbat, it establishes his covenant and it's proof that it's working in your life. Christians are the most panic-stricken in the world. There's as many anxious people that go to church as that don't. Something is wrong. Church, we're not resting in the Lord. Shut the screens off. Come on in here. I believe with all my heart, I'm a phone addict. I admit it. Listen, but I believe with all my heart that phones are messing up our whole life. As much of a blessing as it is, it's a curse if you don't have discipline. Come on in here. More Christian men are bound to pornography because of their phone. Come on. More of you stay up till three in the morning scrolling when your body needs rest. Rest, chill, take a break, breathe, <laughs> stop it, cease, goodbye. We had 24 people at our house for Thanksgiving, 25. We took our furniture out, put it in the garage, and we set up folding tables. And I was itching, I really was. I was breaking out a little rash here. I was like, you know. And when it was done for me, it was, I was done. Anybody else? I love everybody. It was good to see everybody, but it's time to go. I got to go sore a little bit. I got to get my rest on. Love you. God bless you. Good to see you. Could it be we're filling our clock and calendar with so many stuff that doesn't matter about our future? That we're not pushing pause and taking time to be with the Lord. How can we rest if we're not with him? Okay. Jesus fulfills a law concerning Sabbat two ways. Number one, the natural purpose of the Sabbath was, was so all workers, all land, and all animals could chill and be refreshed and rest. It, it was a blessing to the physical body, not a burden. But then Jesus comes and he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. He makes an announcement. And he's saying the same thing. Hey, listen, I am going to allow your soul now to do what they did once a week. Your soul can find rest and your spirit can find refreshing. What's the soul? It's our mind, our will, and our emotions. Some of y'all don't need prayer. You need rest. Boy, this is preaching. You ain't saying nothing. It's okay. You're, you're resting. That's why. 
even in church, our kind of church culture, could it be, I'm going to step on some toes today, could it be we're so exuberant that we're not letting the hush of the Lord come in the room? I remember the hush growing up. You were afraid to move. Come on in here. Some of my older saints can say amen. You were afraid to do anything but this. What's about to happen? <laughs> we need the rest of the Lord. When? Every day. I'm going to make some statements here in a minute. And I hope they help you. I need a sweat rag because I'm sweating. It's right there on my table. It's good to have MD and Mother Pickens in the house today. Whenever you see toil, this is what the Lord showed me, okay? I'm just, whenever you see toil, you can't sleep because your brain, you know, that's what the Lord told me. Anxiety, whenever you see that, whenever you see a constant storm, constant chaos, constant drama, here's what he told me. I am not lording in those areas. Lord of the Sabbath. He said, the, he said you're not allowing me to lord you in those areas. I'm your partial Lord when you don't give me that. Because when the Lord is lording, there will be rest for your weary soul. When you see peace, when you see rest, when you see faith, when you see tranquility, guess what? The Lord sits there and lords. What's anxiety? Anxiety is fear of the unknown. And the fear that you can't control it. Control it. Control. 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 You know what that is? It's another word for saying lording. I'm giving you the antidote for anxiety today. But what if, Lord, with a little L. But what if it doesn't? You're a Lord. You're not, Lord. You're not letting Yahweh Lord. Come on, this is what the Lord told me. I'm not preaching to you first. I'm preaching to me first. So there will be no Sabbat if there is no Lord. When we try to Lord, God cannot. When we Lord it, God cannot Lord it. That's another way of saying that. We're so, we're so gripped in this generation. We, we, we got to control it. We got to fix it. We got to have it. We got to, right now, so we go into $20,000 in debt in America for Christmas just to get it. Well, you're not going to rest January through February of the following year, March, April, May, June, or July. You can't come to the altar after you outdid yourself for Christmas in $10,000 in debt and be like, would you please pray for me? I'm just so fearful of this debt. You should have listened to your pastor. We live above our means because we want to control it. Because we want to keep up with the Joneses so we can look the part, act the part, be the part, feel the part. Honey, if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. Rest in the Lord. Boy, I'm teaching you so good today. The antidote for anxiety is this. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath. Well, Bishop, I get to use that now. <laughs> Well, Bishop, what do I do because I'm still in fear right this moment? How do I allow the Lord to Sabbath? He showed me, and I want to show you. He showed me how to do it. I'm going to show you. I, listen, I was sitting in that hotel room. I was freaking out. 
I was like, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to preach next Sunday. This was like Friday of last week. I was supposed to start a new series this week called Bust a Move, but, but we'll wait and do that another time. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 29. Listen to the words of Jesus. Here is how you let him Sabbath. Here's how you let him Lord so you can walk and to rest. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden. And I will give you, what's that word right there? Rest. Come on, shout it out. Rest. All right. So come to him, he'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, take my yoke, and learn from me, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and there you will find, rest. you will find, rest. you will find rest. rest for your soul. Three things we got to do to find rest. Come to Jesus, allow him to lead you, and number three, learn from him. Did we put that up? There we go. Come to Jesus, follow his lead, and learn from him. He said, come to me. The word come in the, in the Greek, Chris, it means to run after him. Run after him. Now, I run almost every single day. I'm going to beat Justin. We're in a competition. He and I are trying to get to a certain goal, wait, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm beating him. Sorry, Justin. Are you look, you're looking good, but, you know, I'm looking better. Praise God. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And it means to, it means to run after him and follow. Well, I follow Jesus. How much Bible have you read this week? Because you won't know him unless you read about him. You're religious if that's all you're doing is just coming to church on Sunday. You're just religious. How are you going to follow a God you don't know about by not knowing him because you don't read the word? How do you know his standard if you don't run after him? And the people sing. Come to me, all you who labor. We all know what labor is. Pastor Janae's about to experience that. Praise God. Today was her last Sunday of leading worship. Because, no, no, it's your last Sunday. Thus saith your bishop. All you who labor, it means, it means fatigued and weary. Come to Jesus if you're fatigued and weary. And are heavy laden. The word, the word laden there is peo, which means loaded up, overburdened, weighed down from the concept of another Greek word, uh, fortas. And it means as a cargo ship is loaded to capacity and sinking. See, a lot of you are sinking because you're not running to Jesus. It's quiet in here today. And I love that because that means your wheels are turning. Big wheels keep on churning. Proud Mary. Keep on burning. Come to me, he said, and I will give you rest. Everybody say rest. rest. So Jesus says the way to getting rest is come to me, number one. Then he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, if you've ever seen a farmer work in a field, the Amish people still do this. They put a big yoke around a mule's neck. And they, they, a lot of people say, well, if the Lord is leading, he's leading you, not driving you. Well, he's made me to lie down places I didn't want to lie. Come on, somebody. I've gotten hit with the rod of correction. It don't feel good all the time. But I'm submitted to him, so my attitude stays right. He says, take my yoke, which means you're allowing him to steer your life. It's like a bridle in the mouth of a horse. The bits in the horse of the mouth. If he wants you to go left, you don't go right. right. 
If he wants you to go straight, you go straight. If he doesn't want you to take the promotion because it pulls you out of church, the more money ain't worth your rest. So take my yoke, put it on you. And then he says, learn from me. Today, there are four types of learners in the church. Oh, my goodness. I got like an hour worth of teaching to give you guys in 18 minutes. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, like, this, is, this will change your life if you let it. Learn from me. Generally, we're worried because we're not learning from the Lord. Would you agree? When we get our eyes off the Lord, we haven't prayed, we haven't read, we stop going to church, we stop giving, we stop communing, uh, communicating with the brothers and the sisters, we get offended, we wear our feelings on our shoulder, we go wayward. We stop learning. When we stop learning, stop taking his yoke, we stop resting. Mark gives us four examples of hearts. Jesus goes on to preach about this subject. He said there's hard hearts amongst you. The preacher gets up and he scatters the word. The farmer is the preacher. And he said, but some seed falls on hard hearts. It's like bouncing off of some of y'all today. You're like falling asleep, making out a laundry list, and you'll worry about this later. Hard hearts. You hear it, but you don't obey it, learn from it. That's what he said. Then he said the second kind of heart is the shallow heart. The preacher throws the seed out there of the word, but because there's rocks beneath the dirt, it can't get way down into the heart, into the soil to bear fruit. So when the hardness, the, the hardships come, the sun comes out, you're dead. The seed is dead in you. Now at our house, I wish I took a picture of it. Our, our neighbor that lives next to us, his grass looks like a magazine, almost like a golf course, don't it, babe? Always. And he mows like three times a week. I, I mean, it looks beautiful. Then you look at our yard, not so much. I have tried to aerate that thing, overseed that thing, fertilize that thing, water that thing, and bleh, it's a bleh. So I went to Mark one day. I said, Mark, how do you keep your grass so beautiful? He said, you missed the window. So what you mean I missed the window? He said, well, when the contractors built our houses and they went to put that sod in, he said, I looked at the dirt and said, hold your horses. This dirt's full of rock. It's not topsoil. Grass doesn't grow on that. So he made them dig all that rock out of there and put brand new, packed it, fresh soil on top of the dirt and then put the sod on top of that like six inches worth of soil. And his yard looks like heaven. Now mine's got too much rock in the soil. For it to grow right, I'd have to yank all that sod out of there, pull up the rock, and put fresh soil down. Hear the word of the Lord. Some of you, your heart's not hard, but you got a bunch of junk in there. Come on in here. And, and you won't obey the Lord with the junk, and therefore the seed comes in, and you're the same today as you were last Sunday. You come to church, you shout, but you go home the exact same because you won't get the rocks out of your heart. Then he said, he said, another heart, another learner, they hear it, but they reject it. They don't obey it. They don't learn from it. He said, it's like a preacher who gets up, a farmer throws the seed. It goes down into the heart, but the thorns come out. <laughs> and they choke the seed out of your heart. What is that, pastor? 
the cares of this world. No resting in the Lord. I'm about to blow your mind. So then he says, he says, but then there's a fertile heart, the fertile soil. Listen to what Jesus says, that hears it, accepts it, and follows it. You cannot obey the Lord if your heart isn't willing to be molded, molded by the Lord. So we have to pray, God, get this hard heart, give it a massage, and break this callus off of it, right? We have to pray, Lord, get these thorns out of my heart. Get the affairs and the concern. Get, me, get my eyes off of the world and get my eyes on eternal things. Cut the thorns out of my heart. Break up the fallow ground. Get these rocks out of my heart. I don't want to be hard-hearted so I can receive it and obey it. Then he says... Some of you take this out of context. I can't wait to help you. Right from that, he goes into you. Can you hide a light under a basket? Some of y'all thought that was about testimony. It's not. You got to read it in context. The very next portion of scripture. He said, can you put a, a, a light and hide it with a basket? He says, no, you can't. Why? Go into a dark room, turn a bright light on and put a basket over it. Can you still see the light? Can you still see the light? Why? Because what is in your heart will be revealed. This is the revelation of the, of the kingdom. He said, what you do in secret will be exposed publicly. How do we know you're following the Lord? You hear it. You obey it. Come to me. Take my yoke. Learn from me. You can't just hear it on Sunday. You got to learn from him and obey it. How do we enter Sabbath? Come to Jesus. Follow his lead. Somebody say learn from him. He concludes this little portion of Matthew. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest. You will find rest when? When you come to him. When you follow him. When you See, following him, man, that's, a, that's sacrifice. That's taking up the cross and following him. It's being kind when you want to be hateful. It's flipping the person off on the interstate or not flipping them off when you want to. There's nothing hitting that won't be revealed. Just kidding. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. No, I haven't done that, I promise. Well, maybe a long time ago, but not currently. <laughs> Come on, it's tripping and freaking out at your loved one at Thanksgiving. When they scuffed your floor. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> it's holding your tongue. It's, it's settling yourself. It's pushing the backspace when you want to post it. <laughs> I'll show you what I'll do. You know, I can't stand it when people. We all know who you're talking about. Some people. We know who you're talking about. You're not that bright and we're not that dumb. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just be quiet and be still and not tell you anything about me. Okay, we all see your heart. You can't hide that thing under a bushel. We see you. Amen, church. So then the Lord had me cross-references, cross-references, this portion of Matthew. It cross-references to Psalm 95, verse 11. This blew me away. Psalm 95, I'm not going to read it. Psalm 95, verse 8 through 11. So I thought my devotion was done for the day, honey. Man, I was feeling good. 
MD. I said, oh, praise the Lord. God gave me a fresh revelation. So I, I went, you know, I went get ready for, Bishop Amos took me out for a really nice dinner that night. And uh, that's a whole other funny story. Okay, I'll tell you. He says, don't wear jeans, dress, or don't wear like a sweatshirt, dress kind of nice. Uh, he's going, we're going to make reservations. I mean, this was a nice restaurant. And uh, so I, I come down the hotel into the lobby. He's out in the car waiting for me in his car. I open the door, get in the car. We're both wearing black shirts. We're both wearing dark jeans. And we're both wearing black boots. I said, bro, I'll be back. He said, no, 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 we can't. I got reservations. We can't. We're, I'm running late now. I was like, oh, my goodness. We look like a couple. Jesus, help us. <laughs> So I got all ready, and the Lord said, after I read Psalms 95, he said, I want you to start reading the book of Hebrews. I said, okay, I'll read whatever you want me. That's kind of random, but whatever you want me to do, because I'm yoked, I'll obey. So I had like 30 minutes. I sit down, and I start reading the book of Hebrews. Chapter number one goes by good. I get to chapter two. Guess what it's all about? The rest of the Lord. I get to chapter three. It's all about the rest of the Lord. When I got to verse 11, I literally almost, I'm not supposed to say literally because I mean you have a big vocabulary. I saw that on Instagram, so I won't say literally no more, literally. So I get to verse number eight and I about fell out of my chair because it was quoting Psalm chapter 95, verse 11, and it's actually Hebrews chapter three, verse eight through 11. And listen to what it says. Don't harden your hearts. The devil's not after our sound system. He is not after Miss Bree's anointed self. He is not after Pastor Janae's exuberant self. He's not after my good preaching ability. He's after the heartbeat of the people. Do not harden your hearts. Hear me today. As Israel did when they rebelled. What does rebelling mean? It means you're running from God, not to him. Jesus said, come to me. They ran from him. Rebelled. When they tested me in the wilderness, there your ancestors tested and tried my patience. Even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them. And I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. Yoked. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Place of rest, not day of rest. Do y'all see that? Place of rest, not day of rest. I want to enter the place of rest. Three things they did that you can see from Jesus' teaching. They rebelled from God. They didn't come to him. Their hearts got hard. They didn't let him lead them. Their emotions led them. Their surroundings, what they could see, hear, feel, and touch, that's what led them. Their offense led them. I'm so sick of people being offended in church. I'm talking globally. The racial agenda, the offense is in the church, not our church, globally. Come on in here. I can't believe the, I can't believe the confusion between Palestine and Israel and that offense in the church. Come on in here. What they saw, heard, and felt led them. And then thirdly, they refused to obey God. They wouldn't learn from him. So God said, you will never enter into the rest of the Lord. But there's hope today. Yes. <laughs> Just push your neighbor a little bit and say, you got hope today. 
So God's rest is there for people. This is Hebrews 4, 6 through 7. So God's rest is there for people to enter. That means you and me. But those who first heard the good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. But verse 7 is where it's at. So God set another time, which is right now, for entering his rest. And that time is today. What is the antidote for anxiety? The Lord, who is Lord of the Sabbath. When is the Sabbath? It's not a when, it's a who. He is my rest. He is my peace. Come on, somebody. He is my joy. He is my hope. He is, he is an ever-present help in the time of... He is Lord of the Sabbath. So verse 9 says this. So there is special rest still waiting for the people of God. Elder Johnson, I love the special rest. That, that's, I don't know what that is, but I want that. If it's special and it comes from Jesus, I want what's special. I don't want what's common. I want the special rest of the Lord. Amen. How do we enter rest? Jesus taught us. Come unto him. Follow his lead and learn from him. If we would obey the Lord more, I think we would worry less. Because when we disobey God, it gets us into chaos. It makes us lay down. At the, I mean, for me, if I disobey God, like it makes me feel away. My heart is all pounding. I feel sick to my stomach. If I've not spent time with God, if I've not read his word, if I feel distant from him, it's not his fault. It's my fault for not entering in to the rest of the Lord. And many of you here today, I know this because God gave me this for you and for me so we could go to the next place in him. We must, turn that down just a little bit, Miss Priscilla. I'm sorry, that was my fault. Thank you so much. The Lord wants us to enter the rest of the Lord, but we cannot enter it if he's not lording our life. Amen, church. So here's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna do something a little different. I don't want you to stand up. Normally we stand up and every head bowed, every eye closed. If this is you, raise your hand. I'm not doing that today because it's everybody in the room. It's all of us. We're all overworked underpaid, frustrated about something, anxious about something. Everybody in the room, amen, church, amen. Let me have your hand, amen. amen. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so we try to control it today. All of us. Oh, not me. Oh, yes, you. Amen. Some of y'all think I'm the control freak in our house. It's not true. She willingly admits it all the time. I'm like, babe, can I do that? No, I'm doing it. Go ahead. I'm backing off. It's hard for us to let it go. Come on, Elsa, we gotta let it go. Let it go. Turn away and slam the door. Let it go. Let go and let God. That's really a statement. Really, you gotta let that control go and let the Lord have his way. Amen. Come on. We can't control everything. It's out of our hands and into his. Do we trust him? It's really a trust problem. It really is. I mean, come on, let's be honest. We don't trust that God is God to do it. So we got to help him. Right? So we're a single person and we're trying to hurry God along so we get on every dating app known to, known to man. And we try to hurry the Lord. 
old saints used to sing a song. You can't hurry God. You just have to wait. And it's in the waiting time is where you'll get the greatest revelation of who God is to you. For me, Lord of the Sabbath. Lord of the Sabbath. If you're not sabbating, he is not lording. If you're not resting, he is not lording. 